Thank you so much for listening to the Christ Church Collective Podcast. This is your host, Jared Sparks and Andy Clark. Welcome to the Christ Church Collective Podcast. I think this is, is it is, it's episode three. Yeah. Is that correct? Episode three, this, I believe. Yeah. Or is it four? It might, we did an introduction. So we did an introduction. Like okay. It's three or four. We'll figure it out. It's on the stream. But welcome. Thanks so much for listening. Church family, I hope you're doing well. Last week we talked about family equipping model of ministry, which our church does. And this week we promised to give you some tools as you think about family equipping. So we kind of have some headings today of some things that we want to talk about, some family resources, books, music. Um, We want to talk about evangelism and discipleship and Sunday gatherings, family worship, just kind of a collective of, well, since this is the Christchurch Collective Podcast, so like pun intended here, we'll have a collective of thoughts to give you today. Is that a pun? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, Andy, you want to pray for us and then we'll get into it? Sure. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to pray to you that, that you have given us that right as, as children, that that privilege that we can speak directly to you. And we ask that during this time, uh, as we talk about ways to equip our families and ways to, to be intentional and how to shape and form them. Would you be? Um, would you bless this conversation? Would you help us to? Uh, would you help us to be intentional with our families? Mm-hmm. Would you help us to um, raise them in, in such a way that they they see your influence in our lives, that they see how you are changing us, and that that God, we pray that you would save our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. When when I was younger, we would do. Um, we would do like cold call evangelism. We would go hit the streets. When I was growing up in the church, we would we went to New Orleans and did some evangelism, just one-on-one stuff. We would go to the streets of Carbondale, like down to the Strip, and do evangelism. And I, I really, I, it was a challenge. I liked it. But that kind of evangelism is really intimidating to people. Mm-hmm. And if you just ask somebody, hey, when's the last time you've talked to somebody about Jesus? I think the first thought that comes to most people mind, most people's mind is, they start thinking about coworkers. They start thinking about friends or family members, but more times than not, I think people don't immediately think of their children if they have children. Yeah. And one of the things I think could be good for us to just launch into this conversation is the priority of evangelism and discipleship with our children, regardless of their age, or with the people closest to us. If you don't have children, think your spouse or your best friends or your your parents, but evangelism, if we can first think of those who are closest to us that don't know Jesus, mm-hmm. then I think they can help us to understand kind of our role as evangelists in the Christian life, yeah. um, I think. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, in fact, I remember hearing um, an evangelist uh, give an illustration of this one one time, uh, speaking of it as if it were uh, train tickets or, or plane tickets, and you, you were given these tickets, a limited number of, of people that you could take with you to heaven, who would be the first people that you would take with you? Who would be the first people you'd try to distribute those tickets to? Mm. And, and, you know, it would be your family. It would be those that yeah. you're, not only that you're responsible for, but those whom you love dearest and those whom God has called you to give an account for. And so those are, um, in that same way, we want to make the majority of our evangelistic efforts in the home 
with, yeah. with our kids and with our parents and with our brothers and sisters and cousins, those that are that we ha- naturally have that relationship with. Yeah. And so you've heard me say this before, and our church has heard me say this before, but the, I think if we can train our minds to think the, the epicenter of evangelism in the life of the believer is within the home. You know, if you have kids, that's where the, the, the center point for evangelism is for you before your children become Christians. And if you're Christ, your, your children still aren't Christians, then you're still thinking through that if they're older and left the house or something, something like that. You still want to be an evangelist to them. If your kids are still at home when they become a Christian, the epicenter of discipleship becomes the home. So all of our, our efforts go out from that. But for some reason, I think just like in so many other areas of life, everything significant feels like it is outside of our grasp. So it feels like real evangelism. I mean, like the, the front lines of evangelism. It can't, oh my goodness, it can't be in the home. Mm-hmm. And if real impact is going to be made, if real, uh, you know, my, if I'm going to make a splash in this world, it can't be in the home. But I think that's the lie of the enemy and the lie of the flesh, chasing significance in ways that we shouldn't, if we can turn our attention, unsaved children. Yeah. And, and then when our children become Christians, discipling them. And then the question becomes, okay, how do we equip parents who may even feel intimidated to do that? So if you're part of Christ Church family, we want to equip you. Okay, so what ha- what's been some good help for you? Let's just think through evangelism and discipleship. Um, and some of these resources go well both with, with those, both evangelism and discipleship for our kids. But what are some good resources that you have found that have been helpful for you to uh, evangelize your children? So even as simple as like the Jesus Storybook Bible and picking up questions or... Um, disciple your kids because neither one of our kids are Christians yet, yours yeah. or mine aren't either. But so what's but what's some bits of resources that have been helpful for you that would be good for people to save up Christmas time and and buy a bunch of books for Christmas for their home? Like what what's some good stuff? Yeah, as a worship leader, I'm very partial to the hymnal. Um, it's given us um, having a book with with music in it that we can choose from as a family that we can some songs that we can learn and sing together. Um, even if it's a digital hymnal, if there's a CD that you guys like to sing together or, or something, but some, um, putting the, the language of Christ on the lips of our, of our kids and mm-hmm. teaching them prayers in the, in the form of song, I think is helpful for us. It h- helps them to be able to memorize, you know, um, not only verses, but a lot of those, those hymns are based on scriptures. And so it's, it's putting scriptures into their, mm-hmm. into their memory, into their hearts. And so... Um, really, like what what if you're gonna like Google hymnal what what hymnal? Sure, the uh, the the Grace hymnal okay. uh, is is our favorite one. That's um, from the Master Seminary, John MacArthur's Seminary. Okay, uh, it's got some great hymns. A lot of the the ones we do at church, I'd say right. at least seventy five percent of the songs we do at church are, are in that hymnal. Awesome, but that would be a great start. Um, even if it's even if it's like not a written hymnal, just like I said, a CD, you know, <laughs> some Sovereign Grace music or something that that we can learn together. I think that music is a great way to uh, touch the hearts of our kids. So is uh, Jesus is a friend of mine by Sunseed. Um, I'm afraid not. No. Okay. All right. Although you, you know, people should Google that too, though, right? Yeah. If you okay. if you ever want to see someone say compare Jesus to a Mountie, yeah, who always gets his man, that then, <laughs> then do that. Yeah. yeah. Go Google that and have some fun. You're welcome. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, it's been around. Oh dear. Okay. Uh, other things, things that we've done uh, is uh, when we give this away at the church, the theology by Sovereign Grace, and also there's a really good 
CD that they put out called Listen Up, and it's on the parables of Jesus. And these are just really good, simple ways that you can, you know, pop a CD in your car and sing these songs, learn these songs, and you're learning biblical truth. To go along with a hymnal at family worship or something like that, just just pop a CD in your car and you can just listen to good stuff. Um, I think that there's some other books that are helpful as well that are good, especially for kids growing up in the home of Christian parents to have. You need a good systematic theology. When there are questions that come up in your home, you really need some good resource books to go to. The internet can be great, but to actually have a book in your library that you can go pull off the shelf and open up that's a thousand pages, 1200 pages, and you can just really go through it and look at it can be tremendously helpful. And I really, I really do think, and we've uh, recommended this, but Grudem's systematic theology, there are better systematic theologies out there, but as far as accessible systematic theologies, I don't know if there's more accessible systematic theologies. Wayne Grudem does a really good job, even in the areas you may disagree with him on particular things. I think Grudem's systematic theology is a really good book to have on your shelf. Uh, yeah. And along, I mean, clearly a study Bible, ESV Study Bible, yeah. and you've got that probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is a really good one. It's Comprehensive. Very good. very good. And to have the the commentary directly below the scriptures so that you can you can study quickly and efficiently yeah. in that. And it's also very accessible in language. It is. And so like questions that your parent your kids may have or something like that, or questions you have, a good study Bible is gonna give you aid. And the great thing about a study Bible, as opposed to something like a Schofield study Bible, a good study Bible like the ESV study Bible or even the NIV, the newest NIV that was edited by D.A. Carson, is that it's a collection of scholars coming together to put this these commentary notes on the pages of the study Bible. So it's not just one person, which is, I think, important. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Really important. You get other theological minds in there who can you can offer some, some gentle pushback. And it's, yeah. it's very easy with private interpretation to go... In, into left field, but when you have right. a collection of, of folks who are faithful to the scriptures, who can um, who can shape a work, it's better than just one person. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so ESV or a study Bible, a good systematic theology, and then kind of moving down the line, um, how about a good commentary? Like uh, you, uh, you really need a good commentary beyond a study Bible, and one of the most historic, prominent commentaries that you can get is Matthew Henry's, Henry's commentary. You can jump on Amazon and you can get you can get that for fairly cheap now. Yeah, I mean, I think my, I have on my shelf. It is a. I mean, it's a complete commentary, so it's just one. It's not a set or a volume of yeah. works. It's just one volume. Yeah, I think mine was too. It's like twelve bucks. Yeah, and then I mean, you can do some free commentaries and stuff. But again, to have something on your shelf can be really good. And then kind of moving down the list, okay, books for children, things that we've given away that's just really good to do for family worship, and we can almost just transition into family worship. So the the Jesus Storybook Bible we've used in the past, I'm going to stop recommending that, actually, because Sally Lloyd-Jones has included, unfortunately, she's included in her newest newest children's book, A Same-Sex Couple, and it's just really unfortunate. But the Jesus Storybook Bible has been really helpful to us Mm -hmm. um, in the past, but... um, Theology is like a children's systematic theology book. Um, the the big picture story Bible we've given out. Uh, the gospel story Bible mm-hmm. by Jared uh, Kennedy is a really good resource. These are resources that we have in the resource guide at church, and it's also on our website. We're just kind of thinking out loud here and talking out loud about resources that we think would be good for you. And these are, you know, the, the ones we just listed are 
really simple to read. You can get together at night with your family and you can just read from one of these that takes four to five minutes, maybe yeah. max. And then just try to ask questions to your kid. And depending upon how wild that family worship time is, they may be more or less able to talk about it. Sure. I mean, some, I mean, when we do family worship at night, sometimes we're just, and right now we're doing like this God and science one, and it's a paragraph is all it is. And we just read it. And depending upon how alert our family is, we talk a little bit more about it or a little bit less, and we sing a song. But the big thing is I want them to see that as a priority. Yeah. You know, for a home. Yeah, absolutely. And then evangelism. Okay, here's how we're evangelizing. I don't know how you're doing this with your kids yet, but when we're reading and when Ransom does something wrong, when he sins... We're trying to use language, biblical language, like sin, and this is not just sinning against us, Ransom. You have sinned against God, and you need forgiveness from God. And that's why we want you to know Jesus. That's why we want you to come to him. That's why we want him to save you. And Ransom's already using language like, God's working in my heart. I think Jesus is working in my heart, Dad. And trying to just direct that guilt and not just say, hey, it's okay, but we want to cultivate an understanding. you got to do something with this guilt yeah. that you feel. Like that's why you need forgiveness. It's there for a reason. God's putting that there. Mm. That's great. But it's just, you know, being intentional with those times. I think one of the easiest things to do when when your your sons or daughters do something wrong is just say, "Oh, it's okay," mm. rather than saying, "I forgive you," and expecting that they come and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Because we want to build that in to our family. This idea of asking for forgiveness and say, "I forgive you." You need to be forgiven here. Yeah. And then turning that to God. Yeah, absolutely. When you build in those biblical categories in language, it just it really paves the way for those type of biblical discussions to happen. Um, especially couching things in in terms of forgiveness instead of it's just okay that there there's really no sense of finality to yeah. forgiveness um, outside of saying, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's just something that can be dug right back up. Right. You know, and in, in, in hell over head. So even even just on a, a personal level with, with Kathy and I, we we found that when we use that language, you know, I forgive you and um, and I'm sorry, and, and not just that's okay or mm-hmm. it's forgotten, but rather couching it in forgiveness and, and mercy. That's, that's a way that we can feel real resolution yeah. to, to arguments or that's to good. misunderstandings. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's helpful because, you know, if you say, I forgive you, and then your disposition isn't changed. If you've already verbalized those words, it really can be convicting. Like, wait, have I forgiven? Yeah. Um, or am I, is that just a token phrase that I've, I've said? Because that kind of lingers with you. To say I've forgiven is to, I mean, uh, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think that is, is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the call is to lean into the forgiveness that God has given us and then extend that to others. And I think with our kids, being in an environment of forgiveness and grace and using language like that, it may not feel like intentional discipleship regularly, but they're picking these things up. This is this home is a culture of grace. Yeah. And when we mess up, we confess clearly how we've sinned and we receive forgiveness from one another and we don't withhold it from each other. Yeah. I think it's important, really important. I think there's some other things that can be helpful as well. We'll give a, a bigger list of resources. We can do that in the show notes and, again, direct you to the ChristChurchCarbondale.org website under resources. And in our lobby, we've got the family resource guide. But some of the things I think that also are important to have on our shelf, I want to encourage you to get two books. And I don't know if you've read these or not, Andy, but 
uh, on gender and sexuality, which is such a huge issue right now, especially in the lives of our kids. There is a book by Elizabeth Elliot, two books. One is Let Me Be a Woman mm-hmm. and The Mark of a Man. She wrote these two books. And again, really accessible and really helpful for us to think through gender in a way that is teachable to our children. We just did this sermon series. We just talked about this, but this issue in our world is not going away at all. What they hear from their peers, what what they're hearing from their children. I mean, I mean, our kids don't have kids yet, unless your kids are older and do have kids yet, do already have kids. But what kids are hearing from peers at school or whatever, this issue isn't going away. Yes, so it's we need everywhere. to we need to equip them. Yeah, for sure. And this this confusion isn't isn't going away. Like you said, it's just it's coming in waves. Um, and so if, if we are not teaching our kids about it, if we are not presenting a biblical view and, and challenging the view that they're getting everywhere else, then it's going to be much harder as they, as they grow older and that kind of calcifies. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, let's take the last three minutes. Let's talk about Sunday morning gathering and how we can use Sunday morning gathering or at least view it as a form of family discipleship. Um, all right, when we come on Sunday morning, we gather our family, we get out the door. Usually there is obstacles in the way to get there. Uh-huh. Um, the flesh and the enemy still want to rob us of the joy and comfort of, of coming on a Sunday morning and resting and re- hearing about Christ and receiving communion and all of that. So there's crazy stuff happening. But you get there, and we encourage families to worship together. You know, so our kids aren't necessarily having as much "quote unquote" fun as they could be having in other church environments. You know, up to six years old, and we have a few older kids that go down to children's ministry. But one of the things we want to encourage you to do is, you're coming on a Sunday morning. If you're parents of kids, no matter what their age is, is using that Sunday morning gathering to then instruct your kids throughout the week, explaining why we're doing what we're doing. So when the sermon is going. Or when a song is sung, if something like this week we sang, what was the number two song we sang? Behold our God or... Cling really to good. Christ. Yeah, Cling to Christ. Okay, Cling to Christ. <laughs> we, we were all singing that song. I don't know if you've experienced this, but that was powerful this week. Our people were singing and it really, there was a sense, that could be wrong in this, that people were really apprehending the work of Christ and he's clinging on to me. Yeah. So how can we take words like that from a song like that? And then remember, and I've not done that this week. I'm just thinking out loud here. Sure. But then bring it and saying, hey, you know, as an example, my son, Ransom, and when Valor's old enough, hey, Ransom, remember that song, Cling to Christ? And he wasn't in the room. But isn't it neat that Jesus, his grip on us is stronger than our grip on him? And, well, Dad, what does that mean? Well, it means that when we're Jesus, when we belong to Jesus, that means he's never going to let us go. Mm-hmm. He, he's always going to be always going to be by our side. We're going to keep messing up, and we're there's going to be times that we're tired, but Jesus is never going to be tired of us. Isn't that cool? Mm. Just taking things from Sunday morning gathering and applying them through the week, and then coming on Sunday morning thinking through how to do that. So yeah. this morning, I want to get three different opportunities in this week that come from Sunday morning that I can extend into the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the Friday or the Saturday, just from pulling everything we can from Sunday morning into the week. I mean, I think it's a simple way that we can utilize Sunday morning for thinking through evangelism in the home, discipleship in the home, 
and even just our life through the week. Yeah, and there's so much that that's being said, even just by bringing the family together to go to church and sit and listen to the proclamation of the word. Even that, even that act is is demonstrating the importance of the proclamation of God's word to our kids, and our posture in that is is huge. Um, the fact that that we come and that we listen to. Uh, the preaching of God's word together, and then we leave together. And maybe a way that we can um, think through that on Sunday mornings is maybe uh, asking our kids to think through uh, the sermon even prior to hand. I want you to listen, like I say, I want I want you to listen for for when he talks about Jesus or for mm. when um, when he says this word. If we know what the what the sermon is going to be about or the text is going to be that that week, maybe having some questions for them to think through uh, as well. Um, just some ways to to help them um, sit up a little bit and, and, and pay attention, and and part of that's on on us as parents too to not be the ones dozing off yeah. <laughs> during a sermon because that's that's also going to demonstrate to to them that it might not be as important as we make it out to be. It's really good, and I think the biggest thing, mom and dad, as you're listening, and again, I want to keep re- reiterating, no matter what age your children are, even if you don't have children. So think the closest people in your life, whoever's observing you the most. If you are cultivating a love for Jesus, that is the biggest thing. Are, do you really love Jesus and love, his, love the Word of God? Do you love God and His church? And that's, that's huge because that's going, you, you bring yourself everywhere you go into everything you do. And if you are warm to the things of God, I mean, if you're really loving Jesus, people are going to see that. And that really is what we want our kids to see is we want parents who are on literally on fire for Jesus. That terminology gets thrown around a lot, but we want, yeah, figuratively on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Not literally, but we want people who are figuratively on fire and the kids then are growing up in a home in which their parents really love Jesus and they really love the word. They're giddy about the grace of God. And so mom and dad, that's what we want for you. We don't want them to just be really excited to go to church. They're at church a few hours a week. They're at your home every day. And if there is fire in the home, again, figurative fire in the home, by God's grace, I mean, we want to see that come ablaze in their hearts as well. Yeah. And I mean, we don't want them to come and just be miserable on Sunday mornings, obviously. But it, you have the biggest impact in their life. And by the grace of God, we want to see them come alive to Jesus and love him like you do. Amen. Anything else? Cool. All right, everybody. Hope you have a good rest of your week. We're excited to see you Easter Sunday. Invite some friends. Share the video that's on Facebook. We can't wait to see you. He is risen.